Hey, Will, come here. I'm making your favorite. <sighs> Thanks, John, but honestly, I'm not really in the mood for French onion soup with a healthy dash of cumin. Well, gosh, Will, what's the matter? Are you mad I crunched the baguette like in Ratatouille without you? Well, John, don't get mad at me. Done. But I can't do this week's episode of Cinemaholics. What? Why not? Are you going to some virtual reality EDM rave? No, 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 not this week. No, I'm actually going to follow my dreams this week. Will, you're scaring me again. I thought your dream was to do Cinemaholics with me every single week, forever. Well, John, some dreams change. See, I got an electronic email from a follower on Instagram. Turns out my weekly Hawaiian shirt Saturday posts have really been catching the eye of the most important people in the biz. <laughs> no, well, don't tell me. Are you, are you a... That's right. I'm an influencer now. And I can't be on Cinemaholics anymore. Hashtag low priority. Hashtag fun the sun. Hashtag real friends who get me. Oh, well, well, f fine. Uh, I don't need someone on this movie review podcast to review movies. Do you think you're so hashtag irreplaceable? Well, hashtag guess what? I can do the show with you on it without you even being on it. Hashtag whatever. Hashtag don't care. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your hashtag way out. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics. I'm John Agurney. I'm the box office columnist for Adam Tickets, head writer of Cinemaholics.com, and I occasionally write books. He is a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend. He is definitely here right now. And he also reviews films for Cinemaholics.com. It's Will Ashton. Hello, hello. All right. Uh, Will, how are you doing this week? Uh, it's been kind of a crazy time, huh? Um, yeah, you know, if I had to grade this week... You know, I'd be between like a C minus and a C. I think it, ultimately I'd have to give it a D minus uh, because you gave it like a B plus. So that seemed that makes a lot of sense to me. Oh, wow. Well, that's crazy. But OK, yeah, I, I've been having a tough time, too. But uh, I'm glad you're here because you're my friend and I, I love talking about movies with you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to talk about a bunch of really cool movies. First up uh, is going to be The High Note. We're going to get into that movie. We're going to talk about Body Cam, which Will has seen and I have have not seen. That's going to be difficult. Uh, and then a few other things. Uh, it's going to be a packed episode. But uh, hey, don't forget if you want more episodes of Cinemaholics, you can't get enough. You want to see our full archive. Well, all episodes of Cinemaholics are on Cinemaholics.com. Super easy. And you can write into the show anytime. Send us an email. Cinemaholicspodcast.com at gmail.com is how you do that as always we love our patrons on patreons so want to shout them out of course and if you're interested in becoming one you can donate to the show help us keep the lights on and everything like that you can go to patreon.com slash cinemaholics and uh will yeah i mean uh, uh we love our patreon right like you you definitely get on the patreon all the time oh yeah i, I do and uh you know i'm ready to talk about some movies john and you know i just want to take this this moment to say that you know, you're my best friend, and uh, you just, even though we don't always agree on movies, secretly I agree with you, I'm just trying to stir up drama for the show, you know? Make it, make a little bit more interesting and contentious. Oh, well, I know that, and it's fun doing this show with you too. That's why we do it every week on Cinemaholics. What, what a great time to be alive. John? Huh? Oh, Will, what are you doing back here? Eh, turns out I can only be an influencer if I pretend to be someone completely different than who I am right now and sell out all my morals, integrity, and creative freedom. But really, the pay wasn't that great. Ah, bummer. Sorry, Will. 
I mean, hashtag bummer summer. Hey, wait a minute. Why are you holding up a sock puppet? Uh, oh, uh. And why is it wearing a Hawaiian shirt? Well, uh, I just, uh... Did you draw a mustache on your own sock? Hey, look over there, it's Off Topics. Wait, what? All right, our first Off Topic this week, uh, we have a birthday shout-out, and, uh, that's right, we started doing birthday shout-outs last week, and definitely write into the show if you want to do one. But yeah, we got one from someone, we actually got a couple, and so we had to pick and choose, sorry. But uh, if you send it, you probably have a good chance because we only got like three. So you had like a one in three chance. That's pretty good. Uh, But happy birthday, Travis, uh, from your best bud, Nathan. Uh, So Nathan wrote in and said, I know you love Cinemaholics. So for your birthday, I want them, John and Will, to say their favorite movie since yours is Die Hard. I got to say, Will, Die Hard's a good movie. I really like it. But uh, yeah, tell the listeners, what's, uh, what's your favorite movie? Is it the second Die Hard? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I've said it before, but yeah, my favorite movie is Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, the 70s one, not the Tim Burton one, though mm-hmm. I'm fine with the Tim Burton one. That is that is a wonderful movie, yes. I haven't I haven't rewatched Willy Wonka in a, quite a long time. Holds up. It really holds up. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I grew up on that movie. I remember re- that was one of the first novels uh, I ever read. Uh, it was, mm-hmm. you know, I think I was in like second mm-hmm. grade. And uh, yeah. yeah. That was a really good read. I remember being like, man, stories are fun. And then I think I watched <laughs> the movie after I read the book, which. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't watch the movie until I was a little bit older, like probably like fourth grade. So. Yeah. I had a, I had like a Roland doll phase when I was a kid. Cause I just was like, man, this guy is responsible for all these movies. I love, I got to read the books. <laughs> so I like read like four to like eight of them. I remember like back to back. No, some some would say your Roald Dahl phase has not ended, and uh, that's what I say. I guess so, <laughs> right? Uh, as for me, my favorite movie is uh, there's a few of them, but most of the time I'll say it's The Mask of Zorro. I'm a big Zorro fan. I like all the Zorro movies, honestly. Yeah, even Legend of Zorro to some extent, but like Mark of Zorro, uh, the one with Douglas Fairbanks. I mean, ugh, they're so good. Yeah, the silent movie version, but The Mask of Zorro, which came out in the late 90s, has just been my favorite movie for a long time. Kind of similar to you. It's a big part of my childhood. And I mean, that is, if you if you want to know like my favorite kind of movies, and we don't get enough movies like this these days, it's swashbuckling adventure movies, you know, like the first Pirates of the Caribbean, Princess mm-hmm. Bride, like any sort sure. of like sweeping adventure with like heroes and villains and comedy and romance, like all of that stuff, that classic adventure stuff. I'm yeah. such a fan of, especially like Errol Flynn movies and dating all the way up to like current films. It, it is weird. We don't get movies like Masters or, or, or Willy Wonka and the Charlie Factory anymore. It's kind of sad, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're maybe making a prequel to Willy Wonka, which I'm not really interested in per se, but I don't know. I'll see. And, it, and, so. Well, that's not really what I'm getting. I'm not getting it. Like, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of like that kind mm-hmm. of movie, you know, that kind of like sure. whimsy. That's a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like Paddington is probably the closest thing to a Willy yeah, Wonka sort that, of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. anyway, as for Mask of Zorro, like, I guess the closest thing we ever get are like the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. And even then, those are so like blockbuster it's it's different it's not the same kind of thing but yeah, i guess we do sure. get batman movies close enough. yeah i got that wasn't quite the direction i thought you were going but sure <laughs> oh what, what, what direction do you think i was gonna go in? i don't know i mean like i'm trying to think of some other swashbuckling films like do you like romancing the stone yeah yeah that's a good watch uh, i thought you were gonna go more recent to be like the remake of like ben-hur i guess which that doesn't really count i mean that's oh i forgot about that movie i forgot that happened yeah i guess that's not a good example either but you know like 
what when was the last time we got a movie like Princess Bride? Like maybe kind of Ella time. Enchanted has a little bit of that vibe, but not really. Um yeah. We get like fairy tale yeah, things, really. I guess, but those those are very different. It's not the same sort of thing. Oh, you know, like Shrek. <laughs> Shrek. Yes. Uh Shrek does have a it is it is closer in spirit, uh, I would say, to like yeah, sure. a good swashbuckling adventure. At least the first Shrek. Yeah. But all right, uh, once again, happy birthday, Travis. And thank you, Nathan, for sending that in. Uh, one of the reasons we picked this birthday shout out is because it had like a little like question attached to it, which I thought was a cool idea. Um, so if you would like to do your own birthday shout out for someone you care about, uh, you can do that super easily. You can just send us an email, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. That's in the show notes, of course. And let us know whose birthday it is and when we can celebrate. Uh, he didn't say when Travis's birthday was exactly. So we're assuming it's today which would probably not show. Happy birthday. One more off topic. uh, Space Force. New show on Netflix stars Steve Mm -hmm. Carell. Yeah. And it's from the creator of The Office and a bunch of other shows you love. uh, Greg Daniels. This show has an incredible cast. Uh, It just hit Netflix. Hmm. It's based on something kind of real. Like it's like a commentary, I guess, on the actual Space Force that the current president created a few years ago to sort of be like an air force, but for space, even though we already have NASA, yeah, whatever. So Elon Musk. <laughs> it's like a branch of the military, right? Well, yeah. and, and so the show is like the, the main appeal of it is the people involved, right? Is again, it's mm-hmm. Greg Daniel, uh, Steve Carell, uh, not only stars in it, but he is an executive producer as well. And yeah, you have an unbelievable cast. You have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He co-created it with Greg Daniels. Um, John Malkovich stars in this. Ben Schwartz from Parks and Recreation, Diana Silvers, who you probably saw in like Booksmart uh, pretty recently. And uh, there, there's Ma. the guy. Um, uh, yes, yes. And uh, I was going to say Jimmy O. Yang. I was trying to remember his first name. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, Fred Willard, mm-hmm. uh, Lisa Kudrow, yeah. like Jane Lynch, uh, just Dietrich Baker, like Bader. There Patrick are so Warburton. many. Like pa- Patrick Warburton is in this. Kaylin Olsen is in this. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh really? The, I didn't catch the, her. Like cast in this. Um, oh, and Tawny Newsom uh, as well. So, mm-hmm. so this should be a, a huge show. This should be like killing it. First episode. Well, it is. Guess who directed Kinda. it? Well, I mean, it's doing really well rating wise. I guess like somewhat. Yeah. Um, well, we mentioned Paddington earlier. Uh, Paul King directed the first mm-hmm. episode. He did the Paddington movies, and uh, he I think he directed a few episodes. D. Reese. Directed two episodes. I mean, my gosh, well, oh, Ashton, wow. this should be the best show on Netflix. <laughs> it should be one of the best shows. I hate this show so much. I watched the first four episodes, okay. and uh, I think it's virtually unwatchable. I, I don't think it's hmm. funny. I don't think it's smart. I think, I don't know what Steve Carell is trying to do here with this performance, but I think it's just god-awful. Like, it's so just weird it's weirdly trying too hard but also not really trying at all the only thing about this show that even works a little bit is john malkovich but that's because it's john malkovich like the dude can of course yeah entertain Mm -hmm. sitting down sleeping he's just fantastic Mm -hmm. in every way but i've seen a few episodes of this we know people who do like this Corey woodruff friend of the show likes this show Uh, Charlie Ridgely, another friend of the show, likes the show. Yeah, I do not like the show. I get after four episodes, I said, "Nope, uh, I'm not watching anymore." There's ten episodes. Did you like this though? You saw one episode, right? Uh, yeah, I watched the pilot just before we recorded, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not quite as negative as you are, I guess. I mean, I'm not 
necessarily in the this is good camp, but uh, I definitely thought it was a lot more watchable than you're making it seem. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It just it does move at a very good clip, at least the pilot. I can't speak for the episodes you saw uh, after that. But yeah, I mean, I, I am pretty uh, neutral on this one. It definitely seems like the type of show where uh, it's similar to a lot of other satirical comedies of late where it's trying to be political, but it's also like generally kind of toothless in its approach. Like it's just kind of vaguely talking about politics, but not really getting to the harder being really uh, pointed in any, any particular way. So it just has this kind of like modern day SNL thing where it's just like kind of discussing things that are going on politically, but not really getting to the meat of them in a way that feels super effective to me. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe it's the cast that I like or that the fact that the show clearly has a way bigger budget than your traditional uh, sitcom. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely tepidly willing to give it a few more episodes at least. But yeah, I can't say I'm really a fan yet. It just seems very kind of middle of the road for me. Yeah, I just, I don't get it. Like, I don't get what this show is trying to do or what it's trying to be. Uh, the story and the characters just all seem very mishandled. Like I, 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 the first episode, the second episode, the the conflicts, like what are what the characters are going through and what what they want, their motivations, like they all just seem to be really shallow and uninteresting. Like I'm just not invested. Mm-hmm. And like when you're when you get introduced to a lot of these characters, there's a big time gap in between the very beginning when we're introduced to uh, Steve Carell, who's this like army he just became a four-star general and now he's going to be running the space force and then we skip over to like he's already have he already has his team and a bunch of stuff has happened and the show kind of slowly like reveals everything in between but there's just like no pomp and circumstance to like these characters who they are what's going on mm-hmm. and i don't know is everybody fits like a very one-dimensional role like diana silvers is just this kind of like rebellious like young millennial gen z kind of character uh, ben Schwartz is just doing a watered down version of a role he's already done before. You know, I, I, again, John Malkovich is a really good foil, but again, he just kind of shows up that there's not much to his character, at least in the early part of the, the first season. And I, I guess the, the thing, the show that I, this reminded me of that, uh, does this kind of show a little bit better is Orville. The Orville is a much better, like you have a similarly like talented cast although not on this level but like that feels like a you know yeah, a show that like knows what it's trying to do yeah it's high concept the every character has like a pretty clear role but like that's a really smart show about like evolving its characters as it goes and orville hooks you like two episodes and this one i was just i couldn't stand it so sadly i'm, I'm not into it yeah, I mean, I only saw the pilot for Orville as well, and I remember that one was, I guess I had similar feelings. I was kind of just so-so on that, so I can't speak on the show. What what happened after that, but I did hear it got pretty good, so. Oh, yeah, Orville, Orville really hums along, man. When it, hmm. gets, when it gets good, it gets really good. Nice, that's good to hear. But, um, yeah, this one, I don't know. You see more of it than I have, so you can speak more towards what happens. Um, next three episodes, yeah, I'm, I'm just basing off what I saw in the pilot, which I thought was just... Maybe if I had more expectations for this, because I had heard kind of uh, middling reviews, so my expectations were pretty tampered. But um, yeah. I do know, like, Greg Daniels' other shows. I know you would like the Amazon one a lot, so I can't speak for that. Um, yeah, Upload is good. Is really good. Yeah. Um, to the point where I'm like really surprised how different in quality these two things are. Well, maybe he put a little bit more effort to that and maybe this is more Steve Carell's baby. I don't know. But um, mm. yeah, I I do know talking about his other shows, at least 
the first seasons don't really people tend to like yes. them more when they go on which the problem with this one though is that it's so high budget and so high concept that Netflix may not be willing to give it a second season if the response to this first season is pretty tepid especially cuz i mean given that it's Greg Daniels and Steve Carell they're probably really hoping from the onset that this is just going to do really well and it is like the number one thing on Netflix so i don't know it is yeah. not it's not doing poorly but um yeah i don't know if that's enough to give it a second season which might be a shame if it if it does get better as it goes along but like you said, I it doesn't seem like that's the case, at least for this first season, which is unfortunate, but oh well. Yeah, I, I can't speak for King of the Hill, honestly. Um, oh, King of the Hill's great. Yeah, I've never really got into that show. Uh, but yeah, like the first seasons of The Office and Parks and Recreation certainly aren't their best. Like I'd say, but the first Office season is still genuinely really good. Like I, I think that it's not quite yeah, like, like the it. magical mm-hmm. Office. Right. That like, it's not like the great show that eventually becomes, but it's still good. Like it's, it's funny. Yeah. I mean, I guess I was thinking more like, I haven't really watched a lot of it, so I can't speak too much on it, but I know people, when they talk about Parks and Rec, they're like, oh, you know, we love this show, but like, oh, we love this show, but you know, like you have to get past the first season. I don't know if that's going to be a case with this one where it's just like, you know, you don't really, it didn't really find its voice in the first season of Parks and Rec. That is the case. And yeah, hopefully somehow Space Force can get to that point. But I think that it's just so much so quickly that I, I don't know, like the big difference between this show and those shows is those shows are so much more chill, you know, Mm -hmm. like they're lower stakes, the low, like, you know, they're, they're simpler. Whereas this is so like you said before, high concept. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't Good Place pretty high concept too? Uh, Just given the premise. Uh, But he didn't, he didn't make that. Oh, wait, that's the other guy, right? That's that's um, Michael Schur. Yeah, so he yeah, co-created right, yeah. Parks and Rec with Mike Schur, and then Mike Schur did right. Good Place. And that's Yeah, point. I mean, yeah. I would say The Good Place is a t- terrific follow-up mm-hmm. um, to Parks and Recreation. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess if it does get a second season, I'm kind of curious, but also I'd have to watch the rest of the season and really form an opinion on it. So far, though, I, I agree. I'm not really a fan. I'm not really taken by it. It does seem like a missed opportunity so far, but... I guess I'm a little bit more optimistic than you are just based on the way you're talking about. All right. Well, that is uh, Space Force. Kind of a little uh, impromptu mini review we did. But let's talk about some movies. That's We are cinemaholics after all. Of Even course, though there yeah. is no cinema to mm-hmm. go to, we will still talk about it uh, in an abstract sense. So let's start with our review of The High Note. I grew up around music. It's my whole world. If you told 12-year-old me that one day I'd be working for Grace Davis, she's an icon. This woman doesn't even know your last name. She does, sometimes. I'm not gonna tell you guys you're great if you're not great. Do it again. Damn, the girl still give me goosebumps. Well, Grace, have you thought any more about the Vegas residency? Actually, I think it's time I record a new album. I mean, that's one plan. What am I supposed to say to her? I'm just a personal assistant, but I'd love to produce your music. Let me do my job and you do yours, which is get her coffee, Kleenex, Kotex, and whatever else the hell we've been paying you to do for the last six months. I've been here for three years. You get paid? I thought you were an intern. My life is a joke! <gasps> High Note is a... It was, it was supposed to be in theaters, right? It's a... Yeah. I, I don't know how to describe this movie. Like, it's not really a comedy it's not really a drama it's like a feel-good comedy drama i guess 
You know, it's kind of like in the same vein as like Crazy Stupid Love. and Well, it's the next film from the filmmaker of Late Night, which kind of fits into a similar mold where that's, I guess, a little bit more of a direct comedy. I Yeah, I was going to say Late Night is a bit more of a comedy compared to this. Yeah, but it has kind of a similar vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very similar vibe. You're right. Uh, but like you said, yes, also directed by Nishinatra. And uh, this was also written by Flora Greeson, who I'm not as familiar with, actually. Um, yeah. This stars Dakota Johnson, Tracy Ellis Ross, Kelvin Harrison Jr., Zoe Chow, Bill Pullman, Ice Cube, a really good cast. And it's kind of a story you've probably heard a million times. Uh, Dakota Johnson is this personal assistant, and she works for this Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston level singer played by Tracy Ellis Ross, which is kind of interesting considering she's the daughter of Diana Ross. And mm-hmm. You know, she's a bit of a diva and like she bosses her personal assistant around. So you got a little bit of like Devil's Wear Prada in there. And Dakota Johnson's character, she wants more. She wants to become a music producer. She has like an encyclopedic knowledge of music and she kind of white splains soul music uh, a few times to some black characters, which, okay, uh, that does happen. And sure. that, that is the, that is the premise of the movie is that like she's a, this person who she just needs a, a shot. And at one point, she tries to leverage her career into maybe elevating this guy she has a meet cute with, Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s character. Uh, He is a just really naturally talented singer. And she decides, if I can pretend to be a music producer, if I can fake it till I make it, I can help turn this guy into a star while trying to balance my day job as a personal assistant. Okay, let's stop for uh, a second. Something's off, yeah. Yeah, I think, I feel like it needs some, like, layers, you know, a little bit of warmth. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe some harmonies. I can get some backup singers. Can, can you just do it? I mean, we could, we could always replace it later. I just want to hear it right now. Then. I can have somebody here in an hour. It's no, it, we, we'll just... Maggie. David. Maggie. David, no. You know the song. We wrote the song, right? We've done it a hundred times. Just come on and do it. It'll be fun. This is my area, and that's your area. So nope. Maggie, please. Don't push me, David. Come on. Oh my God. No. Is there something I could do to twist and turn back the time? And yes, it's like a liar reveal kind of story, which is a big weakness of this movie. But at the same time, like, yeah, you, this is one of those like what you see is what you get movies. Like if oh, you're yeah. not into this within like the first 10, 15 minutes, you're not going to be in it into it later. But I would say like, at least for me, I'm, I'm, a, I, I, this is like lovebirds again. I'm a sucker for these kinds of movies. These are airplane movies. And I mean, that is, a, it's a nice thing. I like movies like this, very chill, very like non-pretentious. Uh, I go though. You could argue it's a little pretentious with like it's music. It sure. it's basic. This is a basic movie. Oh, but yeah. I like my I like movies like this mm-hmm. that are a little basic. So I'm into the high note. Uh, I think it's a it's a fun watch. And I really like Kelvin Harrison Jr. in this. I think he seals the movie and his singing voice is just like, yeah. I hope that's really him. And if it is, right. we need to get we need to get some record deals. We need to get some people on the <laughs> phone. Well, I just I mean, I, I knew I recognized the guy, but I was like, I couldn't place my finger on what. And then when I realized it was. Uh, oh, that's Ice Cube. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 not, not Ice Cube. I meant, yeah. Uh, no, I did actually like Ice Cube. He's probably my favorite thing about this. Um, but no, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, just 
by the end of it, I didn't even realize this was loose or uh, whatever his character was in Waves. Um, yeah, I mean, that yeah, dude's yeah. a chameleon. He can really... And uh, the photograph. Oh, I didn't see the photograph, but um, yeah, I mean, he's super talented. He's I, having... Yeah, he's having a moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm really hoping he gets a high-profile gig, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm hoping for the best for him, especially because he was on the show. But um, yeah, as far as the movie itself, um, yeah, this is one of those movies where it's like, it's fine. <laughs> Like I, I can't get mad at it. It's, it's not. It's notably not my thing. I guess. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really do much for me. Like you said, it's very inoffensive. It, it doesn't mean any harm. It's just trying to be nice and give give people something cozy and sweet. And you know, it's kind of hard to get mad at something like that. Um, and it's a lot more, like you said, casual compared to like the Lovebirds, where like that movie is a little bit more frantic as its approach. Um, this yeah. one. Uh, yeah, this one definitely has a lot more kind of, uh, uh, subdued, uh, intentions, I guess. It just, like you said, it's not really a comedy, but it's not a drama either. It just kind of, it's just kind of coasting on a charm of its cast and, uh, in, in a premise that I guess could have seemed like first world problems, but they, they try to take an approach that's a little bit more, um, relatable, I guess, in some, in some cases, but not especially, but I don't know. I guess compared to late night, I don't know if it was just because Mindy Kalen wrote a script that did have like kind of like little moments that, uh, you know, made me chuckle or kind of kept me invested um, or what. But yeah, that one, it wasn't a great film, but I, I remember thinking it was fine. Like that was like the type of airplane film I would enjoy where it's like, you know, pretty low stakes. Doesn't doesn't really end up on any best or worst list, but I enjoyed the time I watched it. This one, I was kind of hoping for the same. Uh, and I didn't really get that, but I didn't hate it either. It's just like, I mean, I like the people involved with this. Um, it, it seemed like everyone was kind of doing what they can, not really doing their A game, but not, not, not slumming it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I wish I had more to say about it. Cause I, <laughs> I don't know. It just was, it was what it was. I didn't hate it. I didn't really like it either. It just, it happened. And once we talk about it, I'll probably forget about it in two weeks. Well, yeah, I'm the opposite with Late Night. I, I much prefer this to Late Night. I, I don't dislike that film or anything. It's just that movie, both of these movies, you could really pick them apart. Like we could just go through it and like step by step, just be like, this is ridiculous. This makes no sense. This oh, is yeah. just like, like you said, the first world problems uh, at one, like the big dramatic uh, problem that Tracy Ellis Ross's character has is like choosing between either being a performer in Vegas, which will make her tons of money or mm -hmm. making an album, which would make her tons of money. And like yeah. the, it, it's like so low stakes. It's ridiculous. Like either scenario is fine. <laughs> like right. there's nothing. She'll live. And, and like Dakota, <laughs> yeah. Like Dakota Johnson, like the, at no point do you feel like her future is in jeopardy. Like she's clearly like really mm -hmm. talented and she's, it, it's kind of like the La La Land scenario where like, you, you know, things will work out for her in some yeah. way Like this movie's not trying to really push them. And also like Kelvin Harrison jr. Like has this huge apartment, <laughs> even though he's just kind of like, uh, I mean, they explain why, but yeah, but they do like, explain it. Yeah. Right. But it's also like, I mean, even his like plight doesn't seem like, you know, like if this doesn't work out for him, you know, he'll, right, he'll be, right you know slumming it for the rest of his life or something he's, he's gonna be fine <laughs> so yeah everyone's gonna be fine yeah yeah that's why i enjoyed it though i wanted low stakes like i wanted people having a nice time <laughs> because like i don't know just things are so sad sure. and drastic and tragic right now and like this movie was like medicine for me and 
you know, I understand it's, it's not everybody's jam pun intended. Like the music in this is like not amazing. Although like I do like, uh, I do like one of the songs, I guess, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's a movie that it, it is clearly like aiming for a vibe and you're either on that vibe, like I said, or you're not. I just happen to be on this vibe. I think that it's a bit more consistently entertaining than Late Night. I think Late Night, I just, I kept picking apart at the seams. Maybe I was in a different headspace when I saw that movie. Maybe uh, if the, the timelines were reversed, I would be saying that I prefer Late Night. I don't know. But I also really like the subject matter, too. Like I think music production is a more interesting avenue for a movie to me than like late night comedy writing like that kind of thing is like not as interesting to me like i love music i love making music so like you know even though this is like a a very hollywood glamorized version of like how music is made like you know spoiler alert like it's much more complicated and it's much more cynical than this movie paints it but that's fine because i like i like a movie that just kind of uh plays it a little safe with this sort of thing for the sake of giving the audience a, a good watch. But yeah, I, I definitely, while I was watching this, I was like, yeah, this isn't the kind of movie that I don't think Will's going to be jumping on here, uh, singing its praises, I guess. Yeah, no pun intended. Or maybe pun intended. I don't know. I can't speak for you. Oh, yeah. But, 100%. Um, yeah, I was I, okay. I was pretty convinced you weren't going to start singing. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I'm mostly in line with what you're saying. Yeah, it just didn't really work for me. I don't know. It's... Like you said, it's something really that I can like pick apart. I mean, we can, but it's like there's no real sense in doing that. It just it is what yeah. it is. Like you said, do you like it or you don't? I didn't hate it, but I wasn't really fond of it either. It just it happened. Uh, I was hoping it would get my mind off of things. It didn't really, but you know, it, it didn't it didn't go out of its way to uh, <laughs> make me mad about anything else. So uh, it is what it is. Like I said, it, I, I I wish I had some more. <laughs> things either good or bad I could say yeah. about it but it's just a aggressively so-so film that i can see why they opted not to give us a theatrical release um that's another thing i've kind of noticed recently is that a lot of the movies that they've pushed to vod like there's this concern like oh is this the end of theaters and all this stuff and for the most part it seems like a lot of movies that got the vod treatment are just kind of like whatever movies or they're not that good like scoob um, so I, I'm not particularly worried if we're just going to get a lot of movies like this on VOD, but I also kind of hope something better comes along. Cause this is, uh, you know, like I, I, I feel like we're definitely at a lack of content right now. And then I definitely wish we had movies like this that are just, you know, feel good, charming, little sweet movies. But, um, in the end, yeah, maybe it's just because comedy writing is a little bit more interesting to me than record producing. Not that record producing is uninteresting. I just, I feel like that's been, uh, explored a little bit more than maybe comedy writing has. I don't know. Maybe it's unfair to say, but, uh, for me, yeah, it, it was fine. It was a C people like it. Um, people won't, I guess, but I can't really see anyone getting mad about this film. Like, I, I think it just, like you said, do you like it or you don't? It wasn't my thing, but I wish it well. All right. That's a B plus for Will. Um, I would say, okay, fine. It's a C. Um, I'm like a B minus. Yeah. I, you know, I think the, I mentioned Kelvin Harrison Jr. is a big reason why I connected with this movie a little bit more than I probably would have. It did also like you enjoy Ice Cube kind of playing against type a little bit. I don't not always playing against uh, not type really, necessarily, but <laughs> well, usually he's a little bit more of like a likable jerk in this. He's just a jerk. <laughs> like he's just sort of like, but the, no one's like really the foil. A jerk he's the antagonist. This. 
Yeah, it's like they get to a point where they kind of they round him out. Like he's not super one dimensional. Like you, you kind of figure out like where he's coming from, and his motivations do make a lot of sense. I'm like, yeah, if I was him, I would be pushing this. I, I think it's totally reasonable, like what he wants and what he expects. He's just yes. a bit of a jerk about everything. I guess they dropped his sugar plot. <laughs> I don't. That never went anywhere. Yeah, that probably hit the cutting room floor. And I think I think it's kind of nice that like Dakota Johnson, you know, kind of doing working girl, right? Like her, she's the daughter Somewhat. of Melanie Griffith, right? Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. you know, it makes a lot of sense for her to do a movie like this. And I think Dakota Johnson is tragically under, you know, utilized in a lot of films. And uh, I think she has this weird reputation because of the Fifty Shades movies, but she's proven time and again between. Peanut oh, yeah. Butter Falcon, Bad Times, The El Royale. And even in this movie, like she has charisma for days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't really understand why there's a little bit of uh, a hate train for this actor. And uh, although my my one uh, my one total criticism, there's no excuse for this. As much as I love Bill Pullman, why didn't you just give the role to Don Johnson? You know, you wanted to, you know, that's what we really uh, came to see. You know what? I'm going to actually I mean, <laughs> you agree? I'm not again. No, no, I'm. If they had given it to John Johnson, I would have been happy, but I'm also happy with Bill Pullman only because like right, I haven't seen Bill right. Pullman in he's forever. Great. Like I think the last thing I saw Bill Pullman yeah. in was that Independence Day sequel. Independence so, Day Resurgence. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't think I've seen him in anything since. So it's like, you know, I was happy to see Bill Pullman. I didn't know he was in this. I didn't know any who was in this. Like I didn't even know Ice Cube was in this. <laughs> so uh Oh wow. Yeah, there was like I didn't see any trailers or anything before this. I just I, knew that. I saw the trailer, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when he came in fairly late in the game, too, I was like, oh, oh, okay. well, how about that? That's nice. Um, But I will say there is I won't give it away, obviously. But like in the last 15 minutes, there is like this crazy, stupid love esque twist that I don't know if I love it, hate it or just kind of admire it for being kind of stupid, but (laughs) wholehearted. But it is a I love how uh, I love how wonderful it is or like I love how how they play it. That's the thing I like about it. It's very kind of haphazard how it happens. Like they just kind of are like, hmm, well, how are we going to connect these plots? And then just kind of come up with an explanation. It's just like, does that really make sense? Not really, but the movie's almost over. So why do you care? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. By the way, I, I I did mention this, but like we keep connecting things because we were talking about Max of Zorro earlier. And mm-hmm. it is Dakota Johnson's, is Antonio Banderas still technically her stepfather? Uh, well, I think her... It, wasn't he married to Melanie Griffith for a while? I think he's the ex-stepfather because they got divorced, I think, like a couple years ago. Not too long ago, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was semi-recently. Yeah, I guess... Do they stop being your step-parent if they divorce? I don't I don't really know the rules. I don't know. I mean, I do know that he, she is in um, Crazy in Alabama, which is his directorial debut, which also starred Melanie Griffith. So I guess they're close. Like, I mean, I would have to assume so. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know it what seems like they're best like. friends. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to speculate. I don't know. This ain't the gossip section. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I will echo what you said about Dakota Johnson, though. I think she is very talented. I don't know if it's something like people assume like there's a nepotism thing going on there because her parents are famous. But I really enjoy her. And I definitely like that she is used. Yeah. Her. I don't even think it's that. Yeah. No, no. I was just going to say, like, she's also kind of doing some, like, kind of arsy things. Like, you know, like Suspiria and things like that, where she's using her fame or like something like the peanut butter falcon like a movie that might not have uh gotten picked up if it weren't for her and chyla booth's involvement um just because they can you know use her name to sell it and stuff so i like that she's kind of doing a lot of like indie kind of artsy stuff as well as the studio stuff like this um yeah i'm, I'm a fan 
All right, that is the high note. You know, we mentioned it was supposed to come out in theaters in early May, but you know, like we said, it was that theatrical release was canceled. It's on video on demand right now. However, that is premium video on demand. So the only way you can watch it at the moment is by paying $20 to rent it and you're not even yeah. buying it. Uh, my advice to people, like I don't I don't think like a lot of people should be renting this for that much money right. unless you're watching it with a bunch of people like if you're taking advantage mm-hmm. of like this theater ticket price uh if you're watching alone i would probably just wait like you don't need to rush for this or anything yeah, I think you're this is a netflix mm-hmm. yeah it, it's actually kind of funny the late night was the one that i uh, got bought by amazon yeah. and that that went to prime my video yeah. after its theatrical release didn't do super well but uh, it's it's right now. I think it's doing pretty decently. It's like the third highest rented film on iTunes, second most rented film on Fandango. Uh, it's not doing very well on Prime Video though, which I think is kind of strange. I think it's like one of the on the double digits in ranking for Prime Video rentals. Hmm. Which okay. And go ahead, Will Ashton. It has a sixty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, nice. Um, I was also gonna say, what's the name of the girl from uh, well, not girl, the woman from Blackish, the actress, the main star of this, Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't think I've actually seen her anything before this, but uh, I thought she did a good job as well. I mean, she clearly has a lot of charisma yeah. and star power as well, and I'd like to see her in some more movies that are maybe a little bit more uh well-rounded than this one. So I, I definitely uh would like to see her in more projects as well. Yeah, she's wonderful. I yeah, I haven't seen her in a lot of things either, except for Blackish and Mixedish. But yeah, she's she's fantastic, and you can definitely tell she she is Diana Ross's uh, daughter. She is uh, truly talented. So, all right, that is the high notes. Uh, let's talk about another movie. This one I have not seen, but you have, and this is quite a cast. So this is Body Cam, and yeah. this is a this is being billed as a police procedural horror. And okay, the tagline is Protect, Serve, Survive. It stars Mary J. Blige, Nat Wolf. I I think this is uh, a, this was going to be uh, Paramount, right? It was going to be, I think, in theaters. Like, I don't want to say that for sure, but obviously it's not now. It's a VOD release. Is this premium video on demand, though? I believe so, yeah. I, I think this just, like at last minute got pushed to VOD. Like I think initially it was going, like you said, it was mm-hmm. going to be in theaters and like fairly late in the game. Like in addition to all this going on, they were just like, yeah, this is going to be a VOD film. So they kind of kept this one pretty low under the radar. Like I've seen a little bit of advertising for it, but not a lot, especially for a Paramount film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I haven't seen this, but uh, you might also recognize David Z- uh, Zayas is in this. Uh, he was in Gotham. Uh, one of the main uh, villains and also in uh, Dexter, which uh, I, I love David Zayas because he's a fellow Puerto Rican and we don't have enough Puerto Rican actors in movies. That's what I say. Thank you, Benicio Del Toro, for all you do. But oh, yeah, yeah so Body Cam, what is this movie about Will Ashton and uh, should we be watching this? Well, yeah, that's the thing is that um, so I got a screener for this like maybe like a week or so ago. And it, I like I said, I didn't really know a lot about it, but it seemed kind of intriguing. And then uh, just uh, in a very poor uh, twist of fate, I saw this on Tuesday when uh, a major uh, moment happened in the news. And it definitely uh, uh, painted this film in an interesting light, I have to admit. But 
Uh, yeah, so the movie stars Mary J. Blige, like Mary J. Blige, like you said, and she plays uh, a cop who uh, recently was suspended and she's coming back. She also had an incident where her son tragically passed and uh, she is investigating the murder of a fellow officer and she has a new partner who is played by, let me see, this is Nat Wolf, right? I get Nat and Alex mixed up. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's Nat Wolf. Yeah. Who is the, he's the older brother. He, he, so this is not hereditary wolf. Uh, yeah. this is the guy who was in, um, uh, kill team, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. Death note. Um, death note. That, yeah. Um, fault in our stars. Yeah. Uh, paper. Oh, yeah. Towns. He wasn't falling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, Palo Alto, bunch of stuff. Naked yeah, brothers I, band. You know, the deal. Right. I Stuck think he's in love. Mm-hmm. I think he's not the intern. Talent. Yeah, <laughs> you want to go through his whole resume. Good posture. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I, I don't think he's quite as good as Alex, but I don't think he's bad either. Anyway, um, yeah, so they get partnered, and uh, as they're going through the rounds, they start to notice some uh, odd behavior in some body cam footage that they find on this deserted uh, computer located in a deserted uh, cop car. And uh, from there, like you said, there's a lot of paranormal uh, incidents that start to happen, primarily relating to people who were uh, the victims of different cop-related incidents. incidents. And um, from there, you can definitely see why releasing this movie now is definitely... uh, I mean, I don't know if this was intentional or not. I don't think it was, because like I said, I think it was already planned to be released when uh, everything was happening. But... It definitely uh, was an intriguing time to release this film. And I definitely think had the movie lived up to its potential, I think it would be a film that a lot of people are talking about right now. But unfortunately, uh, the film itself, while not necessarily bad or even terrible, it's it does feel like a missed opportunity. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the director, but it's Malik Booth. He did a um, Sundance uh, film prior to this um with uh john boyega i'm trying to think of the name of it right now but it was a film he did like between attack the block and star wars the force awakens do you know which one i'm talking about um was it imperial dreams yeah that's it yeah that was. i, I vaguely remember that yeah because i was like right before force awakens mm, but that was him that's what i mean yeah so this is his follow-up film but uh that film i hadn't seen it but i know it got some good notices particularly for John Boyega's performance. And this is a film where I think, I mean, obviously this is a very, uh, very intense premise. It's one that I think he definitely has uh, some very vivid and uh, haunting scenes. Like there's one or two scenes in this that really uh, shook me and and definitely affected me. But um, as for the rest of it, I don't know. I mean, I think part of the problem is that Mary J. Bly's performance is weirdly, and I don't, I'm not quite sure why, but it's like weirdly kind of flat. Like, it, I think she's trying to portray this character as somewhat like emotionally reserved because of uh, the trauma that she's endured. And it seems like she's trying to communicate that. And I think she's a good actress, but something about the performance just felt like weirdly detached the whole time in a way that I felt like if her performance had been really emotionally affecting, it would have helped, I think, kind of smooth out some of the uh, narrative flaws that pursue, which is that, like, I think having a premise like this, like definitely the mix of supernatural and very realistic and very timely uh, police procedural drama is um, 
definitely a mix that can be really effective if it's done well, but here it just never quite gels together. Like the stark realism of the cop procedural drama with the kind of more heightened supernatural elements, they don't necessarily gel. And unfortunately, the plotting of the film definitely relies a lot on formula to the point where I feel like the inventiveness of the premise doesn't quite get its due from a plot that doesn't have quite the same kind of high-minded ideas, which is really a shame because this is a film that, like I said, like I think if this really was effective uh, all throughout, like I said, there's some really good scenes in this, but if it was as effective as it was throughout, I think this is the type of film I'd definitely be saying, like, you know, check this out. Like, this is something that we should be seeing right now. And I'm not dissuading anyone from seeing it. Like, I think there's some really... Uh, memorable and haunting scenes in this but by and large i feel like the film is unfortunately a bit of a missed opportunity and that's a shame because as i was going along i was getting into it but it also felt like it wasn't quite matching what uh i was hoping it would be and i, I think it will work like it's gotten okay reviews so i mean I, i'm i might be uh a little negative on it compared to others but i definitely it's one i've been thinking about a decent bit especially with everything going on which is more than i can say for few other films we reviewed for the past week so I, that does count for something um i'll give it a high c i was putting a c and a c plus i'll give it a high c though just because i just don't think it moves past some of the formulaic problems i think it has but i don't know i would be definitely curious to hear if you end up seeing john what you think because it's one i've been wanting to talk about with other people just because of some of the ideas that it pursues and some of the themes that it tackles but sadly yeah i i, I don't think it quite lives up to its potential unfortunately mm, yeah i i I probably would have seen this if it had hit a streaming service. I yeah, just the VOD ness. I did get a screener for this as well, but uh, yeah, I just never jumped on it. And uh, I should say like a screening request, like all that stuff for review consideration. But yeah, I, you know something about this movie just never quite clicked with me. So I know I know Malik Booth's previous film, like you said, like I haven't seen Imperial Dreams, but I remember hearing a lot about it. Like especially when we were being like, all right, you know, like you know, what has John Boyega done already? Like a lot of us already knew about Attack of the Block and everything, but this movie was like right. just coming out. So like, mm -hmm. I remember it being kind of high profile for him. And, you know, I remember it getting like really good reviews as a bit of a festival movie. Um, But that movie, the difference between that and this is that uh, Malik Booth did not write the script for this. The screenplay for this movie is co-written by Nicholas McCarthy and Richmond Rydell. Um, but this is a story by Richmond Rydell. I don't know rydell as well but nicholas mccarthy he's like a he he, he kind of had a start as like a documentary guy like he worked on documentaries that were about movies and then he went on and did like a couple of like horror films so i guess that's like where the horror hmm. stuff kind of like reaches yeah. in he did like the prodigy at the devil's door and uh as a, i think as a screenwriter and executive producer like he really like had a lot of uh creative input um so I, it, it's odd because this film is like, obviously this is a very charged subject, especially right, right now, considering all the protests and well, you know how people are viewing and, and analyzing police and, and police brutality and reforms. And this movie is literally called body cam. Like it cannot right. avoid this conversation. So it is kind of a weird balance that it seems to be striking because it's directed by, you know, a black man. Um, it's, written by a white man and so it's like okay right. uh what do we really have here so that's the part that makes me more curious than anything else yeah i've i've heard mixed things um i think it's got like a kind of a mixed to almost mixed to negative on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm not sure if it's if it's like right in the middle or if it's like right below right right below the uh I think it's the middle right below yeah something like that 
Yeah, so I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm not jumping out to see this honestly because uh, this is uh, this is not the kind of movie I think uh, I, I'm equipped to handle at the moment. But sure, it is interesting to hear that there's some stuff mm-hmm. in there that affected you because that definitely mm-hmm. that definitely intrigues me more than anything. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I really wanted this movie to work. Like, I feel like if it was like you said, it's such a charged film and it has such a timely subject matter that if it really stuck the landing, this is like the type of. Uh, small indie well i guess not indie but like a smaller horror movie that could really you know stand out in the vod market right now and really find an audience but unfortunately i just don't think it works as well as it should uh, and that's a shame but i do think like you said i think malik booth is a talented filmmaker and i would like to see more from him maybe if he had had more of an influence on the script it would have worked out better i don't know but um it definitely is an intriguing film and i would be curious to see what other people think of it because it hasn't really gotten too many reviews from what I've seen and I don't know anyone who has seen it. Um, so yeah, if anyone sees it, I'd be curious to talk about it. But unfortunately, I found it to be a bit of a bit of a missed opportunity. All right, well that is Body Cam. I'm not going to spend too much time on this next review, but uh, that's because it's more of a limited documentary series. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a mini series called Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. One hot topic for another, yes. Yeah, I know. We're really yeah. just kind of <laughs> jumping around all these like, right. yeah, very fun, heartwarming. We did start on a high note, though. Right, that's the so. thing. We always started on this very light, <laughs> sweet movie, and then, and then uh, then we get to some pretty serious stuff. Do you think we'll end on some hope? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Well, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, but Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich, like I said, it's a four part mini series. It just came out on Netflix, and This is actually based on a book that came out four years ago um, by James Patterson. Now, a lot's happened with the Jeffrey Epstein case and everything since that book came out. Um, Most notably, uh, Jeffrey Epstein ostensibly committed suicide. Uh, If you're looking for a documentary that's sort of about all the conspiracy theories concerning Jeffrey Epstein, and uh, I guess I should say, for those of you who don't know, Jeffrey Epstein is a horrible, horrible person who used his billions of dollars and connections to basically run a prostitution ring for uh, underage uh, girls. And a lot of people have a lot of conspiracy theories about the way he died because it is extremely shady. And uh, there are a lot of people who had extreme motive to um, silence this guy because he could possibly bring to light uh, a lot of connections to people who are also complicit in these crimes. So there's a lot of smoke around that. Now, this documentary doesn't get into that. It's it, There's four episodes. We don't really get into the circumstances around his eventual uh, incarceration, like the one that really stuck, and uh, his eventual suicide until the final episode. And we don't spend a lot of time on it. And one thing I do like about this miniseries is that it instead focuses a little bit more on the victims. The victims who are still or who are telling their story in this are the ones who are kind of front and center here. And that's easily the best thing about this documentary is because, you know, I, I'm not super caught up on all of the details around this guy, this Epstein guy. And uh, this was a helpful documentary in at least introducing me to the topic and kind of just laying out on a very factual, you know, no nonsense. Here's a deal. And here are all the talking heads. And just kind of letting people speak at length about, you know, what happened here and how did Jeffrey Epstein get away with doing this? Um, This guy who was like in the spotlight and doing these terrible things and women were 
coming out against him and like, you know, telling people the FBI, like this guy is purposely, he has a ring of like trafficking women, like uh, girls, not women, like underage girls, some as young as 14. And, uh, it didn't stop when it needed to stop. It went on for years and years and years. And this documentary kind of shows you how that happened. Uh, one of the big weaknesses of this documentary series is Alan Dershowitz is in it. And if you don't know Alan Dershowitz, he is the defense attorney for Jeffrey Epstein. And they give him a lot of time to sort of defend the indefensible. And it's also kind of rich to be playing around with the title here that he happens to be the the impeachment lawyer for Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a big part of this documentary as well. Uh, although I shouldn't say big because they don't really go into a lot of detail. But yeah, the president's like favorite go-to resort, Mar-a-Lago, happens to be an, an Epstein hotspot. And there's just a lot of stuff that comes up in this documentary where you're just like, how in the world is it not common knowledge? Like, I don't know if it is, but it doesn't seem like people have really reckoned with how connected Epstein is with not just Trump, but also Bill Clinton, like uh, Prince Andrew, like a lot of this stuff is out there and people are aware of it, I guess. But like, this is a helpful documentary and really just like driving it home. (laughs) Like this is pretty messed up. And like they get, they show you the receipts. Like, you know, you can't really get around uh, how connected these guys, these like elite people are to somebody who was trafficking children. And it's disgusting. And it, this is a very upsetting, depressing documentary. It, I think it's a hard thing to recommend necessarily. I think you already have to be curious about Jeffrey Epstein, but not already so caught up that you're like, I don't really need to see this, except to sort of hear from the survivors and get their perspective on it. The problem is then you have to sit through this this Dershowitz guy who's just saying things you're just like, dude how are you like, how can you possibly look at this situation and not like, can you not read the room? Like we, it's indefensible what this guy did. And he just sort of like dresses it and colors his words around the situation because he is a, he is a defense attorney for criminals and he is just, it's just hard to watch a horrible, horrible person just like on display like this. But, you know, to the documentary's credit, it does lend it sort of a like, here's what they are saying about this. And here's the person who tried to get get Jeffrey Epstein off. And, you know, I don't even know if they address the fact that he was the impeachment lawyer for Trump. But, you know, that's kind of beside the point. It also happened probably by the time this whole thing had ended uh, production because that was pretty recently. Uh, but yeah, so this was directed, all of it was directed by Lisa Bryant and, uh, it's not a long documentary to get through. It's like about four hours. I mean, it, it is long, but you know, as a series, it's not hard in, in the grand scheme of things. And yeah, I, I don't know how to recommend this honestly, but yeah, if you have a vague curiosity and if you're kind of like, okay, what is this really about? Like, you know, what, what, is, what really happened here? This does sort of like lay it out in a pretty entertaining way. And I don't say entertaining as in like feel good. I mean, entertaining is like you can digest the information a little bit easier because like you're seeing like the deposition, you're seeing Jeffrey Epstein actually on camera talking and, um, unraveling to these lawyers. And there's just, it's a little bit more effective in really connecting his crimes and how he got away with his crimes with the actual information in a way that won't bore you necessarily. Um, but yeah, that's probably the nicest thing I can say. So it's not, not the highest praise. Uh, I'm not going to grade this one since it's a mini series, which tends to be our deal. But you know, if I had to say it in the zone, it's like, you know, really in the low, 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 low end of B territory, high end of C territory, that kind of thing. 
but um yeah seek it out if you if you just want to check out a competent docu series that is about something pretty relevant and uh sadly something very tragic uh you will get that with this and uh that's Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. I have a feeling, well, that uh, this is not on your radar. Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, I mean, it's good that it exists because it's good for people to know the extent of the crimes that Jeffrey Epstein did. And it's good that we hear from the survivors of it. But yeah, I mean, I know especially in the month leading up to his death, there was a lot of information that was revealed. And I know I, I followed a decent bit of it, so... I imagine I have uh, maybe not the specifics of it, but I know I've heard a decent bit and uh, it's definitely, yeah, like you said, very tragic. And I, I, I can't imagine uh, this is going to be anywhere <laughs> close to a comfortable watch. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'll get around to it, um, but uh, it's good that you got to see it and let us know about it. And yeah, <laughs> it sort of sounds like, all right, John, like patting me on the head. Um, thanks yeah. for watching. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, not, not exactly the one people are going to be flocking to. And, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Although it, I think it is right. in the top 10 of Netflix. So I'm not mistaken. I think top three even. Yeah. Well, I think people are just genuinely like interested in like, you know, sort of seeing like the aftermath of this whole situation being contextualized or recontextualized. But mm-hmm. that is Jeffrey Epstein, filthy rich. Let's finish out this week's show with a review of hope gap. This is the hope we promised. Um, This is a British drama film that came out last year. Uh, It was directed by William Nicholson, who uh, is really more well-known as as a novelist. Uh, He's also, of course, a screenwriter, but uh, he did the stage show. um, He's a playwright for, uh, what was it called? Shadowlands. And uh, he's written a bunch of of novels, including, uh, or uh, have you seen the Noble Warriors trilogy or read that or aware of it? Um, I'm aware of it. Yeah, I haven't uh, read those. Um, but I was gonna say, I think maybe our listeners would be more familiar with his screenwriting, which includes Gladiator. They might. Yeah, um, Gladiator is a big one. The, mm-hmm, Les uh, Elizabeth, um, Unbroken. The sequel. Yeah, yeah, the second Elizabeth. So the one I think it's the Golden Age. Yeah, the one which that's is not, even not worse than good. the first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although Gladiator is really good. Um, although he co-wrote mm-hmm. that with a couple people. Uh, their names yeah. escape me, but yeah. And then, uh, you know, breathe, I think was his most recent film, but yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm curious about this movie. This is, uh, he did the screenplay for this one and mm-hmm. it stars some great actors, including Annette Benning and Bill Nye's. So, uh, I, I did want to check this one out. It premiered at Toronto international film festival last year. And uh, I was supposed to be coming out in the UK theaters, uh, and next week, but I think it's just getting like all things, uh, a digital release at the moment. Uh, but, Will, you've seen it. Did you see it, get a screener for this? Yeah, I got a screener. It wasn't really on my radar before, but, you know, it's just like, hey, do you want to see this movie with Annette Bening and Bill Nighy? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't heard it's about Saturday. this Saturday. I already got the yeah. Hawaiian shirt on. I'm ready to party. Right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you, you mentioned it somewhat, but this is based on his play, uh, the, Retreat to Mo- the Retreat from Moscow, uh, which I believe was nominated for a Tony. And it was also... From what I can tell, I mean, I can't say this for sure, so maybe this is me being uh, speculative, but I believe it's based uh, at least somewhat loosely on his own parents' divorce. Uh, so the film, like I said, Bill Nighy and Annette Bening, they're this uh, British couple, uh, live a very quaint life. Uh, Bill Nighy is a school teacher. Uh, Annette Bening uh, is not. I forget what her profession was. Um, 
but yeah, they've been married for close to 30 years. They're about to celebrate their 29th wedding anniversary. Um, they have a son who he's not really close, but he's not distant either. Uh, he just he doesn't really know how to uh, handle his mom and his dad's kind of distant. So he's just kind of living his own life. Uh, and the Bill Nighy's character, he's definitely you can tell from the beginning, like he's he's definitely in his own <laughs> little world. Like Annette Benning is definitely a little bit more vibrant and talkative, but he is definitely a little bit more reserved. He doesn't really seem to have uh, a spark for his wife. And uh, it's made apparent that he is just not happy with the relationship. And uh, just on the cusp of their anniversary, he announces that he has fallen in love with another woman and that he is going to leave her. And he is very like sympathetic towards this, but he's also pretty, he cuts the chase. Like he's not really uh, willing to stick things out. Like he just kind of wants to get this over with and then move on. And Annette Benning's character is uh, deeply heartbroken by this. She's a very religious woman and she's definitely a very emotional woman. So she takes it very hard and, the son is ultimately caught in the middle of this uh, tethered relationship uh, or untethered relationship um, where he definitely is sympathetic towards both parents as one would be. But ultimately he, he knows that there's like no real reconciling this relationship and he's kind of caught uh, somewhere in between, which is very interesting grounds for a, uh, a story. And I definitely can see why this worked well as a play. Um, but as a movie, it's, it's ultimately somewhere in the middle again. I feel bad because I was going to try to find <laughs> some movie. I was like, well, surely I can praise some movie, but unfortunately I didn't get a chance to find something that, that really won me over. Um, not for a lack of trying though. Um, this film, I definitely think in the beginning, like I said, like, I think there's, a uh, a very intriguing, very kind of, uh, quaint story here that's, you know, very personal uh, very homespun in a way that uh, really elevates the drama at the beginning. You know, there's definitely shades of uh, marriage story here. And then um, what was that movie? Uh, 45 Years that came out a few years ago that I know that, yeah, that got a lot uh, of good notices. Charlotte, Charlotte uh, yeah. Yeah, I know that got a lot of good notices, has kind of similar plot. And I imagine that's probably the better of the two films uh, as far as like older couple gets divorced. Uh, films. Just well, it, because... it has a more complete premise, though, right? Like it has like mm. a little bit of like an inciting incident that's pretty interesting, and whereas this seems a little bit more like wound down, almost from what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a very British film, so it definitely has, um, you know, not very like heated arguments or like you know, I mean, obviously, Annette Bening is of kind of more vocal, uh, impassioned character, but by and large, the execution of the film is a lot more subdued, a lot more refrained, which. I kind of admire, but I think the problems of the film ultimately are more that once the characters split, we don't really spend a whole lot of time with Bill Nighy's character, mostly with Annette Bening's character. And I mean, Annette Bening's fine. I mean, I think she does a decent job here. Uh, her British accent leaves, I guess, something to be desired. But um, outside well, of that, look, uh, you just said Annette Bening is fine. I know you don't mean it in the way of like overall, but I still have to interrupt and say. Annette Benning is uh, a treasure, sure. and uh, that's all. That's all I got. Yeah, Warren Bay is a very lucky man. I mean, uh, I think they're still together, right? I'm pretty sure they're still together. But um, I don't know. I mean, it, it. I think that's part of it, where it's like the the father side of the story because the character's so kind of emotionally distant that we don't really spend as much time with him. 
which is a shame because I think his character is a lot more interesting than Annette Bening's character. At least how they're presented here. Like, I just felt like there was more to his story that was drawn to than Annette Bening's, where I guess everything just seemed kind of telegraphed and it felt like it was a lot more uh, transparent in a way that I felt like because we spent a lot of time with her, it just got a little repetitive as far as uh, what her side of the events were. But also, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's really kind of crummy to say this because it's obviously based on... Uh, guy's true life story but i just don't know if this film really fully conveys the emotional depth of the story like the pacing of it because william nicholson is not as much of a director as he is a screenwriter and i think his last film was like in the 90s so it's been about like a good 20 something years since he directed something the second half of this which things are a little bit more spaced out like there's a lot more time passage uh, it it kind of loses the simplicity that I found really endearing with the beginning of the film, where it was a lot more uh, emotional and a lot more investing because it was so tightly knit. Uh, I just didn't think the second half really held as much water as the first half, which is a shame because I, I do think there is something about this premise that, you know, definitely a, a smaller film and definitely not one that will probably catch you many, many people's radar for that reason, but... There, you know, it's earnest and it's definitely, like I said, very personal. But in the end, it just didn't fully win me over. Uh, even though I was, I was digging it at first. But I mean, there's a lot to like here. I mean, the scenery is very nice. Uh, like I said, Bill Nighy is very good. Uh, I also like the adult son, but I can't think of the actor's name. But uh, yeah, in the end, this is a kind of uh, a high C plus film in that I think there's promise here i think there's good stuff to be found i just don't think it fully came together in a way for me that i, that I feel i could fully recommend it but not a waste of my time just kind of a a fairly middle of the road film like i said so I, i'm i apologize for not not doing uh too many films that were outside of the middle range this week but you get the cards you're dealt and that's that's how i felt so yeah you just yeah yeah you can't you can't grade on a curve right like, sure. this is just uh calling it as you see it yeah, you're, you're right about two things. Yes, Annette Benning is still with Warren Beatty. And yes, he is a very nice. lucky man. And uh, yeah, uh, you're right. William Nicholson hasn't directed anything since Firelight, uh, which is a late 90s movie. I think it was like 98, 97. And I guess I could see why this movie is his next directorial, like why he would direct this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Also like mm-hmm. a romance. Like he's not trying to do something a little bit more ambitious. Like he's written like science fiction and fantasy. Like... But so he's not jumping to trying to direct like some kind of big budget blockbuster. I don't think anyone would mm-hmm. hire him to, um, despite him being like, maybe he could screen write something like that. Like he obviously has those chops, but yeah, I, I I've never seen, um, except for firelight. Uh, I've never seen that like sort of like directing experience with this director. And I barely remember firelight. So I'm not sure. I didn't uh, see it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if my memory is fuzzy for a reason or if it's just been that long. Sure. All right. Well, that is a hope gap, and yeah, kind of a mil- middling episode of Cinemaholics. Uh, not a lot of uh, stuff to get that excited about between yeah. Space Force, Jeffrey Epstein, right. body cams, right. Annette Benning's the the, uh, the Oscar performance that yeah. Annette Benning didn't get nominated for because mm-hmm. of the report. Right. Um, yeah, it's just like, you know, the world's crumbling around us. There's just a lot of animosity right now. Let's go to the movies to get our mind off of things. Everything's just okay. Well, all right. <laughs> well, we can't go to the movies. So right. I maintain that the high note is yeah. well worth checking out. It's a solid B, B minus. Mm-hmm. That is a B minus yeah. right there. Just check it out. It's, sure. it's fun. 
well, I hope smiles. people like it at least. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that so cavalier because I, I do think some people will be like, ah, this isn't worth 20 bucks. And I, I guess for a lot oh, of people, yeah. that will no, probably not... be the case, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah. you know what? If you're looking, if you are listening to us and you're like, guys, I, you know, I come to Cinemaholics every week, same, same deal. I watch these movies you tell us about and I want something. I want, I want, give me a little something, something. Well, you know, right now on Netflix, Avatar The Last Airbender. Have you seen it? Will Ashton's about to. He's binging the whole thing. And uh, <laughs> he said he's going to binge it uh, this week. I think that's right. Uh, well, after I binge The Last Dance, yeah, I'll get to that one. No, no, because you said you were going to do this before. So, no, the deal was that after you finish Nathan for you, right. you would start Avatar The Last Airbender. I would start uh, Joe Parra well, Talks with you. Yeah, well, I mean, I I can do both. I guess I can I can bounce between last. You can walk and chew gum. And and Avatar: The Last Airbender. I don't know what that'd be like, but I'll have to find that <laughs> that out for myself. I suppose so. But uh, yeah, next week we're going to be talking about Shirley. Um, that is the new movie starring Elizabeth Moss coming to Hulu. This is another Sundance movie that I've heard really yeah. good things about. So I want to see it a oh, lot. Oh, for sure, yeah. So I want to mm-hmm. see it very badly. Uh, there's also Becky. Which uh, you mm-hmm. know more about Becky than I do, but yeah, that's Joel McHale and uh, who else? Yeah, so it's Joel McHale and then a rare dramatic turn from Kevin James. Apparently, it's like a thriller Interesting. film. So he's the villain. Uh, that's what intrigues me. Uh, I don't know if mm. the film's any good, but I'm like, well, that's something. I don't know, cause uh, I've always known him. To me, he's royalty. So I don't know if I could oh, yeah. buy him the as a villain. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. that's right um, but that'll do it for us this week on Cinemaholics we'll see y'all next week from the internet California I'm John Negroni and for the internet Pennsylvania I'm Washington. hashtag see you next time <laughs>